Welcome to the sermon podcast for First Christian Church of Warsaw, Indiana. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Please visit us at FCCWarsaw.com to learn more about our church or to make plans to be with us on a Sunday morning. Again, that's FCCWarsaw.com. thankful that Jonathan and Emily are here today. I hope you had a good time worshiping together with them. I'm going to speak for just a few minutes and then we'll lead into communion in just a moment. Jonathan and Emily will help us lead into communion. But I want to talk to us a little bit about this idea of God of generations and kicking off what First Christian Church is going to be doing together and as families here over the course of the next six weeks. There are some special days that we look forward to and things we get excited about. And oftentimes we can describe those special days in advance even before they happen, even though they haven't happened yet. Let me give you a few examples here of what I'm talking about. Um, One of the kids in the room here might say today, casting a vision for something that hasn't happened yet. They might say, on my birthday, here's what's going to happen. My cousins are coming over, mom's making my favorite meal, and I'm getting the brand new video game I've wanted. And when I get that brand new video game, I'm going to play it every minute of the day, all day long, until mom tells me I have to stop, right? So they can, they can think in advance, even though the day hasn't happened yet, and describe what it's going to be like. Here's another example. Somebody might say, maybe another kid here in the room, you know, when we go on vacation to Florida, that hasn't happened yet, but when we do, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ride on an airplane, I'm going to go swimming at the beach, and I'm going to go to Disney World. Again, describing a special day that hasn't happened yet. An adult might say something similar like that. You know, when I start my new job, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to have more pay. I'll receive better benefits. And I'm going to get to work with a team of people who are believers. That day hasn't happened yet, but knowing that it's coming perhaps for somebody, that's how they might describe it. Or somebody might say, you know, when we move into our new house, everyone's going to have their own room. I'm going to sit on the patio with a glass of iced tea and read a book, and we'll open Christmas presents by the fireplace, imagining what that awesome day is going to be like. Or grandparents might say, envisioning a day yet to come. When the grandkids come over, we're going to make cookies together, we'll go fishing, and we'll end the day with snuggle time and reading books. And then we'll hand them back over to their parents, right? (laughs) Grandparents can picture what a day might be like. This is even happening in our house right now. One person is saying, when I graduate from high school, they're going to graduate uh, the end of this school year. When I graduate from high school, this person says, this is faith. I'm going to go to college in Missouri. I'm going to decorate my dorm room, she told me. And she said, I'm going to study biblical justice. That's her major she's going to take at the Christian college she's going to. Another one of our kids, Jordan, is saying, when I get my driver's license, which is coming soon, I'll drive to my sports practices by myself. I'll visit my friends whenever I want. And my sister will no longer be the one driving me to school. That's her vision of the future. And to her, it sounds pretty good. Well, there are special days we look forward to, things we get excited about. We can describe in advance what they'll be like, even though they haven't happened yet. Well, in the Bible, King David described such a day. He was describing a day when everybody was going to join him in recognizing who God is and worshiping him. Now that day hadn't happened yet because not everybody had joined him yet in that effort, but he was, an, he was envisioning what that day would be like and what it would feel like. And he describes it in Psalm 145. 
he begins that psalm talking about how much he wants to praise God and says, I'll exalt you, my God, the King. I'll praise your name forever and ever. Every day I'll praise you and extol your name forever and ever. And then he goes into his vision casting here of what that day will be like. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. He's going to talk about God's greatness and about God's goodness, all right? His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and all meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. So David, again, he goes through this whole psalm. If you read it, you'll see that he's describing how one day everybody's going to be praising God. And he says how this is going to come about. Did you catch it? Verse 4. I'll put this one up here for you on the screen. He says, one generation will commend your works to another. They'll tell of your mighty acts. Let's read that out loud together, okay? Can we read that together? One generation will commend your works to another. They'll tell of your mighty acts. One generation speaking of God to another. One generation commending God to another. God's works here in this psalm are his greatness and his goodness. So what he's talking about is parents will go into scripture and they will show their children and their grandchildren the great things that God has done for us and the great things that he's done throughout human history. They'll talk about his goodness, how much he loves us, how good he is to us all the time. And what's more, when one generation commends God's works to another, that means they're looking for things in the present as well. Meaning that parents in their homes will go about the day and about the week observing and pointing out the great things that God did throughout the day and how good he is to us all the time in the midst of it. That's just what parents will do. Now, I've heard many parents say, and I mentioned this on Father's Day when we were outside under the tent talking, and we're going to elaborate on some of the things that I I brought up on Father's Day over the course of the next six weeks. But I was mentioning on Father's Day that I've heard a lot of parents say something similar to this to me over the years. I've heard parents say, man, my my kids are just not active in their faith anymore. They've grown up, they're young adults now, they they don't go to church, they they don't claim that they have faith, they're in the process of deconstructing their faith. I don't get it. What did we do wrong? We took them to church every Sunday. We did what we were told to do. We took them to church every Sunday. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that from parents. We took them to church every Sunday. What went wrong? I, I can't claim to say that I know, quote unquote, what would have gone wrong in that situation. Absolutely, every person has their own decision to make when it comes to faith in Christ. But I can tell you that more often than not, when I hear that from parents, I know based on previous conversations I've had with them, that there was something that was missing in those homes more often than not. What was missing was an active participation of ongoing faith and discipleship in the home. In many Christian homes, there's very little difference between families that don't go to church and families that do go to church, with the exception that the families that go to church are in church on Sundays. 
throughout the week, many other families are indistinguishable from families who don't go to church because there is this carryover of one generation commending God's works to another, pointing out the great things that God's done throughout the week and pointing out the good thing that he's, the good things that he's done through regular and intentional time together of doing life, doing faith, reading the Bible, spending time in worship, and talking about God's goodness, God's greatness, observing those things, and growing together in faith. That's, those are the families that tend to have the best track record of passing along faith from one generation to the next. So I'm excited about what we're going to be doing here at First Christian Church over the course of the next six weeks because Jonathan and Emily have prepared something for us, the God of Generations Family Devotion Books, and everybody can get one of these on the way out today. Every family, take one of them. Five-minute family devotions for the next six weeks, and we're going to be doing some gatherings together here on Sunday nights to kick off each week to keep us motivated. So... If we want to have success in this, we need resources, right? We're going to need encouragement, which we're going to receive together when we get together on those Sunday nights. And we're going to receive some instruction through this God of Generation series on Sunday mornings where I'm going to be bringing some teaching from God's Word about what it says to be passing on the faith to the next generation. The Bible gives us a ton of instruction how to do that. That's the next six weeks we're heading into. Some of you might be fans of the Lord of the Rings movies. I was thinking this week about the opening scene or the opening, uh, the prologue to the first Lord of the Rings movie. Uh, the ring of power that the Lord of the Rings movie revolves around drops out of a man's hand and it sinks to the bottom of a lake. And as that happens, the narrator says this. I have the quote here for you on the screen. The narrator says, when the ring dropped to the bottom of the lake and some things that should not have been forgotten were lost. History became legend. Legend became myth, and for two and a half thousand years, the ring passed out of all knowledge. And again, this is a fictional story, but if you kind of think how something like that could have happened, how the important things in a culture could have gotten lost, and how some really important things got forgotten, or the true things were no longer held to be true, how would something like that happen? What would you think to yourself? How could something like that happen? Primarily, something like that would happen if families were no longer passing that along regularly inside the structure of who they were as a family unit. So what happened in the Lord of the Rings with regard to the ring definitely needs not happen in a Christian household with regard to Jesus Christ if we hold fast to what God's shown us in Scripture. Over the course of these next six weeks, we're going to get, as I was saying, resources, instruction, and encouragement. I want to share one last thing here for you before Jonathan and Emily come back up. We all have a current set of family circumstances that we're in right now. And in order for this to to kick off right, we're going to have to just surrender our current circumstances straight up to God. And by that I mean, for some of us, when we think about family and household, this is painful stuff. And some of us might be thinking, "If if I'm going to be somebody who passes what I know about God onto another generation, what what this does in me is it brings up some painful memories. Maybe you're saying to yourself right now as an adult, boy, I grew up in a home where I didn't receive much nurturing. I I didn't get much support. This wasn't handed on to me. It wasn't modeled to me. And so now I'm, I'm bringing some baggage into this role that I have as a parent. 
Maybe you bristle when you hear the Bible say something like, honor your father and mother. Maybe one of your own personal least favorite days as an adult is Mother's Day or Father's Day because of some of the the hurt that you carry around from your, your family upbringing. There aren't easy answers to this if you're now a parent and carrying some of those things around, but I can tell you that surrendering those things to God is the absolute first place to start. Maybe right now, as you sit out here this morning as an adult, you find yourself in a loveless marriage. Maybe you're a single parent. Maybe you're a parent who is having your own parent or parents live with you as you're raising your own kids. Maybe you're somebody here today who would like to have children. Maybe you're currently frustrated over some of the dynamics in your household. Maybe you're beginning to see some of your bad behaviors yourself getting modeled in your kids, or maybe you feel like your kids are out of control. Maybe there's fighting inside your house. Maybe you're wondering if the faith that your kids currently have is beginning to slip away. One of the greatest influences for success in handing on faith to the next generation is going to be the health of the family unit. And as you hear that today, you might be thinking to yourself, well, then we're doomed right from the start because our family unit isn't all that healthy. But I want you to know that it's a safe place here at First Christian Church to just say in this moment today, God, here's my household. God, here's my family. We're not perfect. Far from it. We're reaching out to you. We're surrendering our current circumstances to you. Our family tree right now, God, it looks like a twisted mess of lives. But, God, we're going to ask you in this moment to to plant a new tree. And we want to be people who say a new generation, a new fresh start in our family history starts here. If there have been years or decades of dysfunction or living without faith that have gone before you coming to this moment, we're going to be able to say in this moment that we're going to plant the flag and say we're going to be people who raise up a godly household and pass this faith on to the next generation. You know, I love it when I meet godly grandparents and they look at their children and their, and their grandchildren and say, you know what, I, I grew up not knowing Christ. And then the Lord got a hold of my life and things got turned around in my life. Christ entered my life and I'm just so blessed to see these kids of mine and my grandkids now following the Lord. And that's the story of a number of you I know even here in the room that God got a hold of your life and then you pass that on to the next generation. And you are people who've been able to say, you know what? It may not have been that great in some aspects of my upbringing, but the dysfunction was going to stop with me. It was going to stop with me. As for me and my house, we're going to follow the Lord. And at First Christian Church, we want to give you some resources for how you can follow the Lord together as a family. And we're praying that you'll enter in this with us. Kids, we want you to tell mom and dad, hey, Sunday nights, we got to go back to church because we have to kick off our family devotions for the week. Kids, we want you telling mom and dad, hey, we've got to do our devotions for the week. They're five minutes. We've got to do it. So find a time around the dinner table or breakfast table or wherever you're going to do it and do those together. We'll tell you a little bit more in just a moment how this works. But what we're saying is let's be families. If we're single family, uh, if we're a single person in a household, if we're a young couple, if we've got kids, if we've got, if we're empty nesters, if we've got grandkids, whatever the case is, let's be a household that says, as for me and my house, just as Jonathan and Emily sang for us, 
we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to be people who pass this on to the next generation or ready ourselves to pass this on to the next generation. God takes the good, bad, and the ugly and he takes deficiencies and struggles and pain and he is ready to redeem all those things as we are people who commend God's work as one generation to the next. Hey, Jonathan and Emily are going to help us get ready for communion in a moment. And if you've not yet gotten a communion kit at one of the little tables, uh, the pub tables on the side, while they're singing, why don't you just get up and grab enough for everybody at your table, and we'll take communion together here in just a moment. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from First Christian Church of Warsaw, Indiana. We invite you to join us for worship on an upcoming Sunday morning. Check out our website at FCCWarsaw.com for more details and information. Again, that's FCCWarsaw.com.